The world around us is changing rapidly. Fundraisers and nonprofit marketers like you have to be flexible and innovative to continue to overcome the challenges you face. We're Pursuant, and we're here to provide you with the tools, insights, and strategies you need to get you where you want to go. You're tuned in to the Pursuant Listening Experience. Welcome everyone to the Pursuant Go Beyond podcast. Today we are sitting down with our Pursuant Giving DNA General Manager, the one and only Rebecca Segovia, as well as Mary Beth McIntyre, who is the Principal Consultant at Win Win Giving. And today we are talking all about data and some of the latest results, the latest outcomes from the Fundraising Effectiveness Project and some other things that you should be thinking about when it comes to data and measuring your success in fundraising in 2021. So Mary Beth, I would love to hear from you first about the work that you do with your clients and the general challenges you're helping them navigate. And then Becca, I'd love to hear your side of that question. Sure. I'd say most often I'm brought in when an organization or an agency, they're working with someone at kind of a a key point of change. So I work as an extension of the team. So it could be deciding to move to a new CRM, some type of consolidation in the organization or restructuring a new opportunity. So I'm oftentimes brought in to do sort of an assessment of where you are now, where you want to go, using some data to do that. And again, just being an extension of the team to sort of align those objectives so you can keep everything that's going on day-to-day happening as well as prepare for and connect to the new opportunities. Sometimes I I also do whatever is needed. So that might be a fundraising audit or chipping in to project manage something. You know, I think we all do that wearing many hats. I hear you, Mary Beth. I have the opportunity to wear a couple of hats here at Pursuant as well. (laughs) I have spent time leading our client services in the past. I lead our marketing and platform teams today. And really for me, it's just about our clients coming alongside them, helping them think differently about the challenges that they face and how to solve them. And then specifically in our platform, leveraging data in a quick, meaningful, real-time way to make really good fundraising decisions. And so I'm excited that we're here to talk about what's happening in our industry after we're coming off of what was 2020 and how to leverage data differently um, in 2021 to make the best fundraising decisions that we can. I was going to add, you know, oftentimes I also present myself as a donor advocate. So using data from the donor perspective and always, as I think Beck and I both do, weaving in data to kind of make the conversation real. (laughs) That donor centricity is so important. Um, Knowing what the donor motivations are and what they care about and then being able to have that two-way dialogue with them. Um, I think it is so important. And sometimes we get lost in kind of the business as usual of fundraising (laughs) and I got to get this mail out or I got to get this digital piece out. And if we just take a minute and understand where the the donor potentially is coming from, we can make a better strategic decision in our messaging that may connect with the donor in a more meaningful way. And so um, I think that's where the magic really can happen. Yeah, thank you both for that. That sets up our conversation really well, I think. And so as I kind of mentioned at the top of this session, one of the things that a lot of nonprofit leaders and people who stare at data are thinking about is the newly released fundraising effectiveness project data from AFP. And so a couple of things that came out in that report 
are that there was a 10% growth in overall giving in terms of donations, as well as a growth in new donors, which was something that we had seen trending down for many years. So this is the first time that that had changed. The other thing that was revealed in that study was that donor retention, however, it's down 4%. So the new acquisition that came in in 2020 may have you know, it may have distracted some fundraisers from realizing that other folks in their donor pool lapsed. And then the, the third point that I wanted to pull out from that report is that new donor retention was down nearly 10%. So a lot of fundraisers are asking, are the new donors that came in in 2020, are they, were they strictly crisis donors and wanted to help out and pitch in at a time when our world was under a lot of new challenges and stressors? Yeah. And so that's kind of a question that we're all asking ourselves. And so was that something that you saw with the clients that you engaged with in 2020? And if so, what is your response to these numbers? Well, you know, I guess as as someone who has tracked data in giving for many, many years, I'm excited that there's a bit of a reversal in some of the, you know, kind of number of donors that are being philanthropic and giving but I'm always wary of it <laughs> to your point, Leah, you know, with respect to, you know, was it just because of all of the chaos and were they, they chipping in? So, you know, it's kind of making sure we look under the covers at everything and, and kind of regularly in this year that that's coming along. Um, you know, the second thing is retention, you know, in spite of losing donors have been fairly stable. So I think you, you raise that metric and, you know, that is of, great concern. And I think some of the things we were already focusing on will relate to that. Interestingly, reactivation was up a bit. And I think that's because coming into prior to the pandemic in 2020, I think there's been a lot of buzz about, you know, using different tools to sort of better reactivate, whether it's, you know, using outside sort of modeling or co-op materials or, you know, also just kind of understanding from where they came and aligning those messages. So I think it's very positive, but I think we need to sort of, you know, can't ride a wave, (laughs) need to keep working on it. I hear you. I'm going to play off of that reactivation point and then share a few other things. So reactivation and donor stewardship has been something that our industry has been paying attention to in a meaningful way. And so I think that's why we have been able to go back and reactivate lapsed donors year over year. And and we're starting to see that trend line continue to go up and to the right. I think what concerns, and it actually ties into that donor centricity that we were talking about a few moments ago. I think what concerns me are a couple of areas. So uh, retention does actually really scare me, especially that first year retention. And so how can we be smarter about the new donors that have come into our file and start to have that donor-centricity mindset from the beginning? And so one of the things that I love about the Giving DNA platform is it it actually allows you to bring those donors in and visualize the demographics and psychographics and behaviors of those new donors, and you can quickly put them into a journey map. So, you know, these are people that are most likely to just be general fund donors right now. They give to organizations like ours, they give to organizations like ours, you know, under $100 as an example. Or these are people that are potentially have mid or major abilities to give because they're giving to organizations like ours over $500 and they have disposable income of $10,000 or more. So just being able to look at that and make better decisions about the donor journey that we want to take them on, I think is important and can help reverse the tide that we're seeing there around retention. 
And I think it's retention at every level of the pyramid. So annual, mid and major, but also in where they are in relationship with you, not just those that came in and they're potentially lapsing in year two, but what does that lapse donor reactivation look like? And then, you know, the Holy Grail is to get people into giving, you know, for three years or longer or into sustaining giving program. And so making sure that we've got clear pathways for um, those that are managing um, the donor portfolios at every level of the pyramid to know, okay, here's the DNA of this segment and here's how I'm going to get them to take action. I think that'll be a game changer. So paying attention to retention was one. Yeah. And I think, you know, building on that, I was going to say, in addition to what's measured here and everything we know that happened, you know, in 2020, there was also some things that aren't measured here. I think people were much more, you know, taking actions and, Mm -hmm. you know, using their voice. And, you know, I think to your point, Becca, you know, I, I think while we had more donors, we also have many, many more people taking those actions. And I think mm-hmm. finding ways to connect that, to begin to understand it as an additional part of the DNA of something they've actually engaged with or done, you know, becomes an important way to sort of understand the motivations of those new folks who have joined, come back, or the ones that, like you said, are on the edge of either the edge of upgrading to monthly or to mid or to falling off. Because I think many times we just don't always pay enough attention to connect those. I, I think in your your platform, you have you know ways with if you're collecting it or moving it from the online system, you can begin to measure it and see if it really is valuable. And to me, that's the full picture of you know how the donor's engaging. And I think in 2020, people use their voice as much as their wallet. And mm-hmm. um, you know, finding ways to connect that is. I think will really help us in maintaining the good parts of these metrics and turning around some of the ones that are of concern. I think some of that that you're talking about, if I'm reading the tea leaves right, is also data collection, (laughs) right? Are we actually getting the right data on the donor so that we can actually make those decisions? And so I think you have some key metrics that you pay attention to. I'd love for you to unpack that. Oh, sure. Well, I think in general, we're looking at the ones that are, are called out in the fundraising effectiveness tools. So, you know, when we look at more donors, I think it's also breaking down where the new ones are coming from and building out those pools, you know, also saying, are there folks that haven't made gifts, but have engaged with us? And can we access those as potential new donors? So that's something I like to look at in multiple ways. And then we talked about retention. We, you know, talked about reactivation rates. You know, I'd say probably one of my my biggest things is, is to also, at some point in the cycle, look at their long-term value, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. kind of understanding from where they started, the ways they engaged and, you know, how do those profiles match up with someone, you know, again, more likely to become a monthly donor, give three years, as you mentioned, you know, upgrade to mid, say you're in my estate, you know, or, or pledge a major gift. So often when you look back on where they've come, that's where you can educate people. You realize, you know, the, the planned gifts are not going to come from someone giving $500 to come from someone who's given 15 for 10 years going or something mm-hmm. and raise their hand in multiple ways. So those yeah. are the, I think the metrics in addition to just sort of retention, you know, finding ways where you can kind of drill down into that to, like you said, better understand that full picture. And, you know, I love kind of the thought of their DNA. And for me, the more we can make part of that DNA assessment, things they've actually told you 
or actually done about their interest and engagement with your mission, you know, to me, that's gold. That's where I hope you were, I was hoping you would go. We know that there's some basic metrics that we should be capturing on our file, but the magic really happens when you start getting that engagement. You know, how many times are they opening your email or responding to your whatever, you know, activation that you ask them to do? Yeah. So understanding just the 360 degree view, if you will, of the constituent and what's important to them. And then it's not just the little things of how much they gave or how much or when they gave, but are they attending your events? Are they reading your emails? Are they opening your letters? Are they meeting with someone in your mid or major team? Just capturing all of the data points that help fill out the persona of that person and then ultimately probably the group that they live in. Well, and you know, one other thing I'd add, you know, when we think of how can we maintain the metrics that are good that we're looking at for 2020 and, you know, turn around some of the others is, you know, to your point, Becca, I think, you know, the more we can measure it for kind of good in our fundraising, but also educate everyone in the organization of sort of what's working or what's not then I think you can build this awareness that if I'm in the contact center or, you know, I'm managing an event, how important collecting some of that information is and that you're really part of making everything better. And, you know, I, I mean, it might be a little rose colored, but like, you know, I think sometimes we have to be real advocates to show people they're part of the process and what they're doing is important. And the same, you know, if you read your con your comment mail or, you know, um, just different notes you receive online. I mean, what your major gift officers are hearing and, you know, and any external partners, they're often listening. And do we give Mm -hmm. them a moment to tell us what they're hearing and how we translate that? I love that you're bringing that into the room. Because I also think about what are you learning in those details of comment notes or um, conversations that help inform case for support so that you understand what's really connecting with your donors and put those messages forward. And so that also ties into retention, which is where we kind of got onto this rabbit trail. I know. Um, and, um, and I'm so glad that we went down it because there's so much richness in just understanding what data is important and why. So retention is something that for sure we need to be paying attention to as we look at 2021. Two other things that we've been talking about at Pursuant that are going to be important as we think about um, where to put some energy and effort is mid-level. It's been a buzz in the industry for um, a long time now, but um, it's really kind of seeing its moment. And so focus on mid-level and stewardship and what are the attributes of those that could potentially upgrade Um, And so that's something that we are at least paying a lot of attention to in the Giving DNA platform of what are those attributes and um, can we segment and look at them really quickly and take actions. So download and put them in the hands of a mid-level officer. And then the other place that we're really paying attention is sustaining giving. So how do we have some predictable revenue uh, a revenue stream year over year. And so that's another thing that we we have built into our platform. People that are most likely to be sustainer givers are not yet sustainer givers, but um, they look like the profile. To your point, we've got all those data points in there. They look like the profile of someone that could be a, sustainer, a sustaining donor. And so as I think about 2021, and I'm curious if you would agree, and if we were to double down in retention and re- really figure out what that looks like specifically for those that are coming off their first year of giving, so determining if they were a crisis donor, if they're someone that's going to be with you for a long time, who are those that are most likely to give monthly and who are those most likely to upgrade? I think a lot of organizations could have a banner 2021 as well. 
Are you asking questions about your fundraising data but are struggling to find actionable insights? Pursuance Giving DNA Platform is here to help. We combine your constituent data, donation data, third-party information, and tack on augmented intelligence to provide you with insights about who is giving to you, what motivates them to give, and which channels through which they prefer to engage. The platform also comes with baked-in opportunity segments that show you who is most likely to give a large gift, is most likely to lapse, and most likely to give monthly. All this and much more is at the fingertips of fundraisers like you. No IT or data analyst required. Learn more at givingdna.com today. Yeah, so for me, I mean, I think it's coming to some some succinctness of what, you know, some of those might be, which is a little bit of a, you know, cart before the horse or which comes first. But you know, for both monthly and, and mid, I think the game is to connect things if actually done or to, so, you know, make sure, especially coming off of 2020, you're issuing surveys or, you know, looking at what's shared online because, I mean, the sustainer giving is more about their giving patterns, but it's also the commitment. I think many times they're more likely to have been an activist or, you know, kind of said, something that, you know, why they believe in what the organization is doing. The mid-level, sometimes we fall on just those wealth indicators and capacity. And I think, you know, just getting everyone thinking about what makes them uniquely connected to us, you know, builds Mm -hmm. for those, not only upgrading them to mid, and and you have all the sort of, you know, kind of openings to capture this data if it's captured by by the organization. But I just think it's a muscle memory mindset for the organization because you begin these conversations that start to be richer (laughs) beyond just, you know, because everyone knows if they have capacity, what's unique to, you know, the organization or anyone supporting the mid-level or the sustainer is why they like you. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We can kind of unpack that. And, you know, you have some, some ways to sort of connect that to assess, is that a driver in either a model or lifting something up? And it's, it's good for the whole way up the pyramid, you know, those conversations. And um, it's just building that into sort of the muscle memory for every organization. So did that kind of, it does what you were looking for. It yeah. does. And you brought out a point that I think is um, real. It's a question I love to ask, you know, why do donors give? And then actually do they, what they tell you when they answer for that question, here's why I give, is that actually what they do? And seeing what the correlation is between those. And so that then impacts a place of research <laughs> that I think is also really important yeah. as you get to yeah. know and understand um, your file, you know, what makes them tick so that you can craft that compelling case for support and to make sure it matches where you are inside the giving pyramid. Thank right. you for bringing that right. up. That was great. <laughs> sure. It's a journey, like you said, it is. you know, yeah. And, you know, I think the concept of journey mapping, you know, I mean, really it's just, you know, listening and coordinating communications and there's yeah. all sorts of tools to do it, but that also, you know, kind of breaks down some silos, gets people collaborating from the donor point of view, not just what I'm going to do for them, mm-hmm. you know, based in my area. So, you know, I love that, you know, you also focus on that. So we are talking about all of these metrics. We're talking about these different layers and complexities of numbers that they could be looking at and asking questions about. But I think a lot of people who are watching or listening today 
might say, well, all of that sounds great. And that sounds something like we should be doing. But a lot of times, like all of us are in our day-to-day jobs, it can be difficult and maybe feel unnatural to sort of step away and lift our heads out of the thing that we're kind of always staring at to say what's working and what's not working. Because we can get so comfortable, right, in our plans and our our kind of our rhythm of how we fundraise throughout the year. So what other things might keep a fundraiser from staring at these numbers and asking these kinds of questions, you know, other than the simple amount of time that it can take to to look at your data? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my feeling is you always have to look at it through multiple lenses. So there's campaigns, how are we doing to budget with some of what was seen with the fundraising effectiveness project and what was just released. And, you know, we're going to have even more studies in April for 2020. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I really am a glass half full person, but when it comes to data like this, I'm, I'm kind of like, it's empty. <laughs> it's happened. I'm always worried about, you know, what shoe's going to drop. And so I think we're going to have to, um, you know, usually I'd say check in on these, you know, benchmarks and measures at least twice a year. In this case, I'm feeling like we almost have to do it quarterly because, you know, just as I think you both brought up, you know, did we have this big group of new donors and are they falling off? And, you know, from where did they come? We're going to have to just check some of that so we can, well, we need it for projecting and, you know, also just to sort of understand where we may have to level set some areas. You can't, you know, do those type of metrics too often, but I, I think it's important to look at it and probably look at it with even a broader group, you know, so, you know, your partners and your teams across multiple channels. So everyone can kind of look at what they're, they're seeing. Cause I, I really, you know, some of the stuff, if we can catch it in the first quarter or, you know, the first half of the year, I think it can help with the metrics going forward, you know, sort of catching the retention one you both noted and, you know, especially the first year retention and also just, you know, kind of give us some of those warning signs as well as some things where maybe we're patting ourselves on our back. But I think we especially need to be attentive to this. Plus everything we're going to do day to day campaign reports, you know, um, all of that. But, you know, this, you know, this is wonderful news, but we're probably going to get some more pivots in the way here. I am actually 100% with you. I am a firm believer in quarterly business reviews. It's been a practice that we've done it pursuant for since I've been here 11 years. And it allows, so I also believe in the macro planning. So I think that there's macro planning that needs to happen this year and last year were unlike any other where you had to be able to scenario plan and adjust as you kind of saw what was happening. And I think we're going to live in that in 2021 and maybe carry that into a little bit of 2022 as we continue to recover. We'll see. So in addition to that macro plan, I like to look at things quarter by quarter, just as you were talking about and look back and see what, what did we learn, you know, what was going really well, and then where do we need to pivot, you know, into that scenario planning idea. So if we're starting to see that trend in new donors that have just come on, not potentially renew, like what are the one or two things that we could try in Q2 as an example to see if we could get them to give again, or same idea around mid-level or upgrade. You know, is there a pocket of 100 donors that look like they could be um, mid-level donors? Let's try to take one or two next steps with them. And then just review your progress, same idea with sustaining donors. And so if we just had a time where we brought the teams together, and I, I, I agree with you, it's not just the annual giving team or the stewardship team, 
but can we bring all the people that are thinking about fundraising and potentially all the people that are in marketing together and talk about what is and what isn't working and then think through what those little steps are that we would want to test over the next quarter and just slowly but surely see if we can start to change our metrics to where they're all going up and to the right. And if we see something, you know, flipping, let's understand why so we can course correct. Yeah. And and I think with that, as I mentioned, you know, with some of the increases in, you know, people giving and supporting organizations that we're seeing here and and we've all felt, you know, we weren't expecting it in March, April and May of 2020. We thought, you know, between (laughs) events and everything, but, you know, that's been, been a good picture, but they've also been action takers and doing things, I think, you know, more than ever before. So along with what you're saying, you know, I'm just, I really think it's important that folks think, are we collecting it on all of our systems or connecting it? So we get that full picture because, you know, we might be seeing maybe they're falling off because we're not recognizing that they're doing both or speaking to them that way. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but, but what we can do is connect that and look at it as you're saying on a more regular basis, because I think that, that action taking was just between the election year and, you know, mm-hmm. all the ways we needed people to participate. It's just this great opportunity to say, mm-hmm. are we bringing it in in all the ways we can? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you as partners, you know, all of us can kind of just raise those questions and find ways to do it in, you know, more streamlined fashion. So you can then measure it and say, might that help messaging? Yeah. Might that help selection? I love it. I think 2020 was its own experiment, right? (laughs) We tested and optimized in all kinds of ways. Events went virtual and we had to rethink our major donor galas and digital transformation happened. And so you were now all of a sudden getting more responses on email than you had before. People were picking up the phone and willing to talk to you. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, A, did we capture all of that movement, right? And transition and change in a meaningful way so that it can impact our the way that we go about planning and, and fundraising in 2021 and beyond. And then, you know, deciding was that a blip or was that something that is actually going to just stay with us because just our habits as people has changed. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting year in 2021, I think, as we and 2022, as we kind of come out of what what has been 2020 and try to make sense of the data that we now have and leverage it to inform, okay, what are the things that we want to test and innovate as we move forward versus what are the things that we want to just keep doing? Because we got really interesting results last year. Let's see if they're yeah. actually still going to work. Yeah. yeah. People raise their ha- hands in just, you know, exceptional and unusual ways. Yeah. Yay, the, yeah. yay for people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I also encourage my clients and partners to also capture the stuff, even if they haven't made a gift, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that builds, you know, kind of platforms in other ways, mm-hmm. which, you know, isn't always, you know, we're, we're so good and, you know, fastidious about, you know, kind of marking transactions, but not always kind of these interactions and engagements. Mm-hmm. Great discussion today, ladies. I think I'm going to wrap us right here. I know that we've got a hard stop coming up, but I look forward to continuing this discussion the next time that we meet and and go over some additional things to think about as we are kind of looking into 2021. And I love what you brought up, Mary Beth, about like use like making sure that we break down those departmental silos between within the nonprofit because there could be really valuable data that is yeah. hiding in someone else's spreadsheet and we need to get it all <laughs> in one place 
so that we can get that really rich full picture of what's happening with our donor file. So I look forward to continuing that discussion next time that we meet. So thank you. Thank you both for your time today. I know a lot of nonprofit leaders are looking at this and asking questions and saying, what should we do next? What should we do first? So I look forward to sharing this with them. Thanks, Leah. Thank you so much. (laughs) 